this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 243, recording on Thursday, the 11th day of this January. I'm Jeff O'Neill. I'm here with Rebecca Shinsky. We're coming to you from bookriot.com. I improvised on the ad read. I don't think, I, or the uh, intro. I've never done that before. The 11th day of this January. Yeah, of this January. Not some other January. Not yet. Uh, there's not too many things that I can spit out verbatim, 70 words in a row, but the podcast intro is, is one of them. Rebecca, you're back. Welcome back. I am back. Thank you. Yes. I think that I could do this podcast intro in my sleep. I think I mm-hmm. probably have done it in my sleep. Right. Um, what Now, what episode number or what day it is at any given moment oh, is a little bit yeah, fuzzy, no. but um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I've no. even said I'm Jeff O'Neill once or twice. Yeah, I, that's right. You know, so it, <laughs> know, it feels that way from time to time. But uh, it does you know, it's, it's sometimes. A, it's a weird. It's a weird thing to do. The two hundred forty-three. Um, so, so we're coming up on so two fifty. Actually, you know, I'm just realizing in a couple months. Should we do anything for two fifty? I was thinking we would do Book Riot, po- like an actual board of Book Riot podcast bingo. And actually, and that that would be the episode. Like you'll just get a PDF file in your RSS if you're. For oh, I mean, like no, I mean that won't be the episode. Ah. Like we will give it to our listeners to you know right. enjoy. Or if you have ideas about what should go on the board, mm-hmm. you can shoot us an email at podcast at bookriot.com. Or if you're a book riot insider, you could hit us up over there. Um, I thought that would be fun. They did. Jen and Amanda did one for Get Booked, and uh, their folks really seem to enjoy it. And I know it's not like our designer Scott has any other billions of (laughs) projects to spend his time on. He can make us a bingo board. Vectorize it. Um, My favorite word. Speaking of insiders, let's talk about just just you should know if you listen to this show, you should know that Book Ride Insiders is a thing, and here's why you might be interested in it. So it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a special thing. You pay a little, you pay a few bucks a month, but you get some stuff that you just can't get unless you don't. You get there's a couple different levels. You know, there's the, the basic level. There's the I like Book Riot. I want to hear a little bit more about behind the scenes. It's a couple dollars a month, and with that you get, you know, a uh, uh, newsletter, special insiders newsletters. You get you get a couple of them a month from our staff, from us about Book Riot itself, how it's put together, what people's jobs are, funny stories, you know, how the sausage is made what the sausage is, um, other meat-related analogies. Uh, and that's just a couple bucks a month. For the middle level, that's kind of our, we kind of, that's, that's what we call our choice architecture level, the middle one. It's five bucks a month. You get that newsletter, and you get discounts to the, the Book Riot store, but you also get a couple other things. The new release index, which is something Rebecca and I have wanted for a million years. We're like, let's make that and make it part of Insiders, where you can see um, what books are coming out soon that we think you should be interested, and not we really, Liberty um, mm-hmm. curates them for us. And it's a really beautiful thing. You could scroll by the cover, you look at the cover, you can save things to your list, you can see, you know, sometimes Liberty will write a little blurb about why she's excited about it. You can save them. You know, one thing books are really bad about is like what books are out now and what's coming up soon and how to keep track of them. Like I feel like with movies, right, you know like Black Panther's coming out in, in February and then you know that Avengers of Finney War is coming out in May. With books, like most of the time, you don't know what's coming out because the marketing 
if there is any, doesn't start until the on-sale date, generally speaking, because they don't want to miss someone's opportunity to buy as soon as they hear about it. I guess movies, they just want you to know that the thing's in the theater, but with books, it's different. So this is a way to keep track so you know if your favorite author has a book coming out. You can tell. There's really no great place to go on a Tuesday on new release day you know, online to see what's new that day, let alone keep track for yourself. That's, that's really cool, too. The other thing that you get there, special podcast feed, Book Riot Insiders Remix, where you get Book Riot podcast hosts in various permutations that you wouldn't normally find. Uh, Amanda and I talked about the first line of Harry Potter for like an hour on one Rincy episode. and I talked about food. Yeah. Uh, Jen and Liberty talked about Buffy for a long time. Um, Jen Coyley last time teased the next one. She said, I can't tell you what it's about yet. Uh, it's a need to know basis. Apparently I didn't need to know. I, I'm <laughs> oh. just in charge. Don't tell me. I don't know, I don't know why. <laughs> um, uh, but there's, so you get some more extra content, kind of like an after dark talking about our passions and shared interest of the host that way. So Book Riot Insiders, go to insiders.bookriot.com. Go check it out. There's also the the top level, which mm-hmm. is sold out right now. Though, if you're subscribed to one of the other levels, you can hear when when um, it goes available. But that's access to our insiders only Slack channel, where you know staff and insider subscribers, you know, have basically an ongoing book discussion and all other kinds of things discussion. Really taking it off a way I could never f- foreseen. A lot of fun, super interesting and useful there. So keep your ears open for that. That's insiders.bookriot.com. Could find a link in the show notes. Show notes. I'm already trying to say pillars of the Garth, so I so I did that little that uh, that, that that little inter, inter labial dental fricative there. Um, <laughs> that was a lot of big words. Yeah, well, you know, it's my uh, first day back from vacation. Like that's a lot of syllables, man. Well, you know what? Uh, tell me about pillars of the Garth. Okay, so we talked last fall or whenever the announcement was made that Garth Brooks is going to do a five volume memoir of his career uh, that you dubbed Pillars of the Garth in one of the mm. best Jeff O'Neill moments, I think, oh, today. Thank you for, I appreciate thank you for saying it. So. I mean, I do have a Google Doc of them, and it's pretty <laughs> nice. um, And I am like, I don't think I even tried to pretend that I wasn't super excited about Pillars of the Garth. No, why, 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 why not pretend? I why pretend? deeply love Garth Brooks. Like, so much of my childhood is connected to memories of driving around listening to Garth Brooks or like my parents playing it in the house. And I put it on my Christmas list this year as a, like, I think the note was on the email to my parents and my husband were even like, okay, this is ridiculous, but Garth Brooks is doing a five part memoir and here's the first one. And maybe someone wants to buy it for me. And Mm -hmm. I didn't expect, like I, I fully anticipated like that I was going to be buying this for myself on December 26th. Um, but Bob got me the first pillars of the Garth and I, have now read the entire thing. Mm. (laughs) And I do have to say, if you're a country music kind of fan or you like Garth Brooks, it's pretty great. Like there are big full page, uh, full color photo spreads of like outtakes from his very first album cover photo shoots that are hilarious. Mm. Um, the, the way the book is organized is into this book is the first five years of his career. And, um, there's a section for each year and in that year there's a couple pages about each song that was on the album that they produced that year so you do have to I I think I was talking to our colleague Kelly Jensen about it and um or somebody asked oh Liberty asked me if you don't know anything about Garth Brooks will you like this book and like I think because of the way it's organized around how each song was made and then sort of the relationships with different songwriters and producers and how the career came to be what it is it won't really mean much to you if you don't know the songs but if you do know the songs and if 
you spent a couple of days over your holiday break driving around listening to the double live album like I did, um, you will really enjoy it. There's just like a ton of ridiculous facts. Um, and uh, poor Amanda has been on the receiving end of all my Garth Brooks. Hey, did you know? <laughs> Um, but it's been really fun. So if you were listening to that announcement with interest when we first started talking about this seemingly absurd Garth Brooks five-part memoir, like I am now eagerly looking forward to the second part. Are you suggesting that if you're a merely a casual Garth Brooks fan that a (laughs) five-volume retrospective is going to be overkill? I'm surprised. I'm surprised to hear that, actually. Maybe. I'm actually not sure that there is such a thing as a casual Garth Brooks fan. Um, One thing that's weird to me, well, there's a lot of weird things about (laughs) Garth Brooks, and I like Garth Brooks as much as, you know, you can as a a casual fan. Um, Is there like a three-volume set for the casual fan? Maybe that's more appropriate. They should have choice architectured it. (laughs) It felt felt to me from an early time that Garth Brooks was already like in a retrospective move very early. Like, I remember there was like a greatest hits collection that came out like four years into his career or something like that. Like here's the the the, the Garth Brooks anthology and is like already there was a lot of Garth Brooks memorial stuff going there on. It's very a lot strange. Of momentum early yeah. in the career. Yeah, a lot of big hits that led to I think those kinds of things of like, wow, you've already had twenty five number ones right. after like four years or you know something really remarkable like mm-hmm. that. Um, there's yeah, there's not like a. Um, an abridged version of Pillars of the Garth. Um, I'm hoping that you'll get like more of the sort of life of Garth Brooks stuff, but the structure of here's how each song came to be. And then there's like, you know, little asides about certain Mm -hmm. producers that he worked with and their different ways of being like he moved Garth moved to Nashville just to be a songwriter, Jeff. He didn't intend to be a singer. And uh, it's, (laughs) I mean, I told Kelly the other day, like, all right, this is going to be nerdy, but I'm reading the new Garth Brooks memoir. And she was like, well, you've already taken it to nerdy. Yeah, (laughs) That's not even the thing I was going to tell you. Uh, but I know some of our listeners were eagerly awaiting the update, so that is my Pillars of the Garth report. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of reports of ongoing um, drama, uh, on, ongoing interest, so Fire and Fury, much more to say about it. But Rebecca, you were out for a lot of this and came back to the biggest book story of 2018 happened like four days into the year. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's a crazy story. So uh, we didn't, you haven't had a chance to say anything about it. it what do you find interesting in coming to it at this so, point where you did? You know, we, I, I went to, I was in Mexico last week and we flew in on Thursday, which I think is the day that all of this stuff started breaking. Like, yeah. And they came out the up, next day. Yeah. They yeah I looked it. up at the TV, like in the lounge at our resort and it was like, you know, tell all Trump book, blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, well, I'm not watching the news this week. Like I don't usually turn the TV on on vacation, but I definitely didn't. So I didn't even know that it was called fire and fury mm. until like a couple of days ago. I was off the internet. Um, I was texting my friend, Josh Chris, who owns print bookstore in Portland, Maine. And he was like, I'm going on the news tonight. I'm talking about fire and fury. And I was like, what is fire and fury? Mm. Um, You know, it's one of the, like, I'm sure that you can write a tell all book with a whole bunch of juicy stuff in it. But from what I have read in my catch up attempts last night and this morning, it seems like there's not much in it that we don't already kind of kind of know for sure um and also that uh, some of the stuff in it is unverified or unverifiable and i i want the big dirty trump tell all to be like fact checked to within an inch of its life Mm. (laughs) you know like there's dirt 
please like turn over all of the rocks and find all of the dirt and then verify it and then publish like a very solid and respectable kind of thing. And I don't, I don't think that's what this is. It looks very sensational. Um, I read Masha Gessen's mm-hmm. big takedown of it in the New Yorker this morning. And there's a link to that um, in the show notes, if you're curious about it as well, um, where she, she points out, you know, like that the Washington post, especially in many other uh, reporting vehicles have been working really, really hard to lay bare a lot of the absurdity that happens in the White House and um, to point out many of the problems and the sort of slides into authoritarianism and all kinds of things that we should be very concerned about um, and that a gossipy kind of take on it undermines a lot of that very serious work Mm. that's been done. Um, I'm not surprised that I think this morning we saw that 28,000 copies of it had sold in two days. I'm not surprised by that number. Um, I would be lying if I said I might not be like listening to it at some point Mm. just to hear for myself. I like to, you know, form my own opinions about these things. I might listen to it um, or give some of it ago, but um, it concerns me that there is so much great reporting that's being done about important stuff um, in the political landscape right now, and that something very sensational and shiny might take the attention instead. Mm-hmm. I think that's where I'm, that's where I'm sitting on it. What did you guys talk about it last yeah, week? Yeah, Jen and I talked about it. It was, yeah, it was just breaking because um, mm. we recorded on the Friday the, the day it got released, that Holt had said, you know, we're going to bump it up to foreclose the cease and desist stuff. And also mm. there's hype around it. So let's get it out there. Um, you can't get a copy right now. You can't find a print copy, really. Um, more than a million print copies on order, Holt said uh, today. Um, hundreds of thousands sold in print and audio. I've seen a lot of people talking about bo- listening to it on audio and doing on their Kindle and when they wouldn't because they want to get it. Um, so, you know, Holt... And Jen and I were saying, like, you can't, you can't predict this kind of demand for something like this. There have been other Trump books that have come out. And so you probably look at those and say, you know, where do we think this is going to happen? For whatever reason, I think it's really the Bannon quotes that Bannon mm. himself has said were right and got Bannon kicked off Breitbart. And, like, Bannon is done right now yeah. for, from where we stand right now. And so that's when I've heard some critiques similar to yours. And it does seem like there's a sensational piece. But, like, there's also quotes that were on the record. Um, that are in this book. And Bannon, you know, said what he said, and he's mm. not disavowing what he said. Well, and this is the first one that the president has attempted to stop yes. publication of that we know of, it, at least publicly. And that in itself, like, right. I just, we talk about attempts to ban books on this show mm-hmm. all the time. Like, I can't believe that I am recording a podcast in the year of our Lord 2018, talking about the president of the United States attempting to get a book to not be published. Yeah. And it is sensational. And, I, and there's some stuff that's very, but like Wolf was given access. Like he's not mm-hmm. speculating. Like these were interviews that he did with people in the White House. So it could be a more, it could be a more of an all the president's men type of book. And it, it sounds to me like Maggie um, Haberman is working on that book. And, you know, I, that's maybe the book that you're asking to see in, in some way. But I, uh, part of me is like, he did the interviews. He's reporting what the interviews were. Because it is sensational doesn't mean it's necessarily sensationalist. Like, I don't know. Like I've read a couple of excerpts and I'm like, this isn't like very dry, like really kind of almost studious, but I think it's mostly true as far as I can tell. The truth of it is it's hard to it's hard to really verify, but like all the interviews, unless 
he'd have to do a lot of mischaracterizations for this to be mostly untrue in spirit, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I, I think it is mostly true in spirit from what I've seen. Um, now, do you report on something that's you, it's you one conversation that can't be fact-checked? I guess that's a different situation um, for sure. But, you know, and, and Jen and I were talking about how, like, will this stick around? It does seem like it's sticking around. And, you know, because there's been so much stuff about Trump that, you know, in a different era, it felt like would have been the, 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 the straw that broke the camel's back and it just never really has. And some of it, I think, is because it's coming dribs and drabs. And it is one article in the Washington Post. It is one thing. It is one video. It is one soundbite. But maybe there is something about a book that collects a whole bunch of it in one volume that has a different you know, impact. I'm just wondering about that. I haven't, I didn't put together that this was part of my hesitation until you were saying that just now. But I think that because they're like the resistance to what reality seems to be is ha has become so strong, like mm -hmm. disconnection from facts, the fact that the president has done truly bonkers, dangerous, upsetting things, and mm -hmm. yet is still in office, basically unchallenged. Like these, the accumulation of the reporting doesn't seem to have made any impact. And so a book like this comes out. And I think my immediate reaction is like, well, some mix of like preaching to the choir and falling on deaf ears. Mm -hmm. Like it, the, if there are minds that need to be changed for something to happen about this presidency and the current political climate, then I'm not sure how those can be changed when we already have access to so many facts and to such great reporting. Like I would hope that there's a chance that maybe a book makes a difference that mm. a bunch of newspaper articles haven't made. But I also wonder like who's going to pick up this book that hasn't already decided for, you know, yeah. sort of where, what their, their take is on it. Um, but I am curious about certainly about, the contents. And I think you're right. Um, really processing it about the Bannon quotes being, being critical there. It's just, I, I kind of feel like, well, no other facts have made a difference yet. Mm -hmm. Like I'm finding myself very jaded in this moment, I think. Yeah, I, I think so. And I guess, I, I guess the thing I can't quite parse out is if what you're saying is true, which I, I, I have many of the same feelings, then why are so many people buying it? Like, there have been other Trump books. There are other Trump books out right now. And actually there's some stories about those getting sales bumps mm, as people can't right. get fired. You know, there's like, it's worse than you think inside the Trump White House. Like there's books, other books that are about Trump, but there's something about this one that got, it got to pick up. And there was a demand for a book to sit down and read at length. And maybe it is all the choir. Like they're, they're, they weren't excited about all these books, but they're excited about this one for some reason. They're interested in this reason. It's, it's telling, but what it's telling, I don't know. I guess right. that's where I'm from. It feels like it mm -hmm. means something, but I don't know what it means. That all right, of this like, is are, a did, coalescing around this book right now feels weird. Yeah. Did the 28,000 people who bought this book, were they also among the first 28,000 to buy what happened? Right. Or, yeah. Right. Or are these folks who are like, maybe this is a tipping point for them and they're reconsidering their mm -hmm. stance on Trump at, at this point. Like I would love it if it, if that's the story, you know, if at the end of 2018, we're looking back, like remember when fire and fury happened and that was the big moment mm -hmm. that shifted the conversation. I would, I would love it. Um, I don't think I feel confident that that's what it will. No, I don't think it is. It I don't be. think it is either. Yeah. I don't um, think it's that either, but um. it would be, it would certainly be, it would certainly be interesting. Like I'm, I think I'm also more curious about 
like, what's the book that comes out after this one? You know, like we're not even a year into this presidency and there's more than a book's worth of material here. Um, what is the more damning? Well, I mean, the one, I guess, I mean, we don't know how history is going to play out funny that, um, but whatever that comes out of the Mueller stuff, like someone's going to write a big Mm -hmm. book about that and, that's going to be more like the, all the presidents. And this one, from what I can tell, and um, thank you guys so much for saying, you know, I asked, is this an interesting book to read? Like, uh, uh-huh. is it a good read, you know, beyond the, if is the Nose version as interesting as reading the actual book? And a lot of people said, you know, it's pretty good. It's, it's a page turner, which is interesting. But it's not really about, it's more about the character and behavior. It's not really about like, you know, deals with Deutsche Bank about Russian, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it's not like that kind of technical investigative thing. It's really reporting on character, behavior, feeling, atmosphere, which is useful. But I think that's the kind of book that I'd want to see. It's like, what are, mm-hmm. how did this stuff happen? Like, is there, are we right. ever going to get answers about like, what is in his well, tax returns? Like, what is in right. that stuff? Like at this <laughs> right. point, like, like, I don't I mean, I don't even not, know what, unless it's not um, for nothing. The Comey book isn't out yet either. So yeah, this could right. shift what happens with the, the contents of the Comey book. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, but there's plenty to write about it, but maybe there's something to, and maybe there's all the choir running out and this is something I can hold in my hand about the, what's going on. I wonder if there's something to that as well. Like, these are real interviews. This is on the record with a lot of interesting names. This guy had access, was given access, and this is still the book he produced. Feels a little bit like proof that we're not all crazy to some degree, maybe? Like, oh, there is definitely that. Yeah, that, 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 oh yeah, this is a legit thing, and these are what people actually said on the record, and it's not Sarah Sanders on the thing sort of waving away and gaslighting us and all that stuff. Like, this is, you know you know, literally something to to hold in your hands. I, I wonder if there's a, an element of that. Surely will be the best-selling book of 2018, um, if it isn't already. Would, uh, far as, from what I can tell, the numbers would have been, will sell more, will have sold more in like a month than the best-selling books of um, mm-hmm. uh, 2017. Man. The best-selling book last week, the, on the number one on the on the chart was <clears throat> Origin by Dan Brown. We'll certainly take <laughs> that over because that sold thirty eight thousand copies last I week. I saw someone reading it in French around the pool last uh, week. <laughs> origine. Origine. Uh, that might be orange. I don't know. I'm not sure what my French is for origin <laughs> is, but uh, a remarkable book. Um, Holt can't print them fast enough. I wonder. Jen and I were wondering, like, how long is the demand going to last? Like, if they got 100,000 copies in print into stores tomorrow, would they all sell? Or is it oh, a flash in the pan? You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, how much business are they going to lose For by not, not having, having them all available? That's like a good question. Dan Brown style. I mean, uh, luckily, they do have Kindle and audio um, so that people can get it, but, uh, which wouldn't have been true 10 years ago, right? Like, it wouldn't mm-hmm. have been a lot more lost sales that way. Be interesting to watch. These big stories always happen, like, early in the year when I go away. Like, <laughs> oh, that's right. All, all we need to do is send me away for a week in the winter, and big publishing things happen. Harper Lee broke when I was on vacation. That's right. Yeah, Harper Lee. I'm just perpetually um, catching up. There's that. Okay, let's talk about let's do one more story before we get into do another uh, well, ad yeah while we're in presidential book corner, yes good um one of the things i think we both really enjoyed about the obama years was mm-hmm. getting the list of his favorite books at the end of the year and for a while there was also um partnerships with spotify where they would do playlists of the president's favorite songs of the year and like i'm still listening to the one from 2016 and it's great mm-hmm. um, but barack obama released on new year's eve this year his 
his list of um, best books and music of 2017. And this is a really excellent reading list. Um, The Power by Naomi Alderman. I've not read that, but I don't know anyone who read it who hasn't just raved about it. Mm. Uh, Ron Chernow's biography of Grant. Um, Evicted, Poverty and Profit in in the American City by Matthew Desmond, which is a really powerful and important and very sad book. Um, Janesville, An American Story by Amy Goldstein. Exit West by Mohsin Hamid. Five Carat Soul by James McBride. Anything is Possible by Elizabeth Strout. Dying, a memoir by Corey Taylor. A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Tolls and Sing Unburied Sing by Jasmine Ward. Uh, and then for basketball fans, Coach Wooden and Me by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Basketball and Other Things by Shay Serrano. Um, interesting list, mm-hmm. like pretty, I think pretty standard for the Obama mm-hmm. reading list. You know, there's serious nonfiction. There is some heavy hitting literary fiction. I would have fallen over in shock if the Jasmine Ward book had not been on this list this year. Mm-hmm. Um, this It seems pretty, pretty solid to me. Um, yeah, I guess I would have, I mean, if I had guessed, I would have thought I might have seen Stamped from the Beginning on here, mm-hmm. maybe. But, you know, that's just, um, Five Carat Soul is the one of the, James McBride's book about James Brown, um, which I, my dad read and mm-hmm. said had nice things to say about it that's been on my radar. Because he also, of course, won the, was it the Pulitzer or the National Book Award for um, oh, The Good Lord was, Bird a couple years ago? It was ago. the National Book Award, I think. Yeah. Exit West. Um, yeah, the power I was reading in Publishers Weekly that I'm not sure exactly what happened, but that has sold over the holiday season like gangbusters, like four hmm. or 5,000 copies a week. And it came out in June, and you couldn't find a copy. Um, independent oh, bookstores are having a hard, a hard somewhere Yeah, I was having a hard time keeping it in stock. And actually, I mean, this is insider baseball, but we had a, I don't think we won the proposal, but we had a proposal request from the publisher for a, a fall advertising campaign, holiday advertising campaign. Which is I, which raised my eyebrow because usually we don't get them like a few months a proposal request a few months after something's been published, so either they generated it or they were reacting to some other market pull. But like I've seen a lot of people talk about that Naomi Alderman. It's a it's a near I've heard it's called like a for fans of The Handmaid's Tale like a near future dis- feminist dystopia kind of situation. Um, I think I'm going to read it. I read uh, a blurb and a lot of our book right people have read it. I, I'm going to get uh, that from the library at some point. But that's one that. I mean, no, no better for for something that didn't have any showing in the award season to show up on Obama's list at the end of the year. Like that's a crowning sort of uh, mm-hmm. an end cap to the rise it's had, um, but still selling very well. Um, be curious to hear if any of you out there have read I that. I continue to want the Barack Obama Marilyn Robinson book podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just keep the a, dream alive. I'd also like to be uh, live forever, and um, you know, he's and, just uh, of my course, it's a nostalgia. And longing for a well and widely read president. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the music just just, just in passing. Um, you got Sharon Jones. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got uh, then um, Frank Ocean. We've got Brandy Carlisle. We got Bruce Springsteen. We've got uh, uh, Kendrick Lamar. Like it's a Jay Z. Uh, you know, little yeah. You yeah. too. It's interesting. Interesting. It's a good list. list. I, you know, I'd love to know. I mean, we, we know as well as anyone how much... When, you, when you're telling someone a list of books, you think mm-hmm. about what that list represents. Yeah. Right? How much is he thinking about what his list means to people? Like, I, it's, it, it can't be the case, can it, that he read 50 books and he's like, you know what, these are, legit, these are just the best ones of those 50. 
or maybe they are, but he has to know that people are looking at this list. I'm just curious, like, what is he, how self, how self-aware is he about these lists and what goes into wanting to do these this way? That's, I think that's a good question. We've talked about the distinction you and Michelle like to make Mm -hmm. between the best and your favorite. Yes. Um, and I think there has to be some of that going on. Plus you're a former president, um, Mm -hmm. who's now like who now people are looking to as like a, a leader in this resistance movement and like certainly a thought leader, an influencer to use Mm -hmm. a gross, a gross term. Um, like, I don't think it's accidental that evicted is on this list, but like hillbilly elegant elegy Mm -hmm. isn't, um, that the fiction like exit West deals with big issues. Sing unburied sing deals with big issues. Um, the power, as you were saying, deals with Mm -hmm. big issues. Like I think he's pointing here to the things that he cares about and the way that they come across in both fiction and nonfiction. Um, but yeah, I'm interested, like what's, what didn't make the cut. I would love to see the whole list, like everything Obama read this year. I sort of Um, want his five least favorite books more than this. Actually. I would, I would love to know just like what's when Obama Um, reads popcorn, you know, like, or does he, is it, is it all this? I mean, maybe, maybe like, maybe it is. Um, I'm not trying but, to be cynical. I'm sorry. I should. No, I'm not no, trying to be no. cynical. I don't but think I'm that's like, cynical at all. Because yeah. like, we've talked about. I think we talked about it on this show that like when we're when we're picking best books of the year, when we're voting for the best books of the year for the book riot, mm. like final tally thing. Like I take into consideration books I read that I loved that I think deserve more attention, but that I also think will actually get enough votes to show up on, like to make mm-hmm. the final cut for the list. Um, there's some strategy there. Like you want to point people to things that will be useful. I'm sure Obama read some stuff this year that was probably more academic than what the average. I was wondering about that too. Right, one yeah. of us wants to read and he's not throwing those things on the list because that's not super helpful to you know most people who are just looking for an interesting book recommendation. So I think in that way, the, the, I think the list is pretty well read. Like, um, Exit West is heavy, but it's short. Um, A Gentleman in Moscow, Amor Tolls, that's, you know, literary fiction, but it's not, uh, like, emotionally demanding. Um, Then you've got the Grant biography. Mm -hmm. There's a little, there's some variety there, but... um, I'd love to know how this stuff ends up on his nightstand. Like, I mean, like, some of these, okay, Sing Unburied Sing, you pay attention to all you're going to hear about that. Like dying a memoir by Corey Taylor. Like, how did that end up there? I mean, it's not, it's not super obscure, but it's also, I don't know. I'm super interested in that. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, uh, Janesville. That's an interesting one. Yeah. The power. How did the power end up there? I don't know. I wonder if it's like, you know, people send their books to Oprah just hoping that Oprah Yeah, but will he read can't just be opening, he can't, he's not like the New York Times book review mailroom. Like think of the disaster that would be like, <laughs> I, you know, I, I mean, we but see those pictures of him going into independent bookstores, but like, is he taking recommendations from staff or friends? Like, is he just like kind of the most of us where he doesn't really know in a lot of ways? Like, it's, it's just be fascinating. The Reading Lives of Barack Obama, I know you're going to be shocked to hear this, I think would be interesting. Mm-hmm. I know, I know that's really going on a limb and, and taking a chance, but I think that's something people would be interested in. Yeah, no, I think like where, where you got this book, how it came across yeah. uh, his desk would be super interesting. Like I would not be surprised if there actually is like a section of the Barack Obama offices that are like someone's opening mail and a lot of it is galleys from people who hope that Barack Obama will read their book and talk about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, the presidential mailroom is a whole other situation. <laughs> 
I think it's not just books there, Shinsky. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. Um, anyway. But that's like that's probably happening. But I think like in their you know sing unburied sing like he's talked about Jasmine Ward's books before. She might have sent him a copy. Like I'm I would actually now that I'm saying this out loud, I bet you that Barack Obama read like a personalized signed copy of Sing Unburied Sing. Um I just need it to be true. Sure. I mean um, it's that's possible, but other things are possible too. It could be that like <laughs> he reads the New York Times book review. Mm-hmm. Totally possible. You know, it's not it's it's I just I just want to know. Don't yeah, a guy I went to high school with was on his staff. Maybe he's getting book recommendations from him. This is what I'm talking about, the book whisperer. It's like <laughs> the king's taster but for books. <laughs> oh, now that's a job. I don't even know where to go from there. Yeah. Um well, speaking of best of 2017. Yes, so 2017 is over, but it is not too late to catch up with some of the best and our favorite books of the year. Book Riot every year does a best books of the year box, and we have some of our 2017 boxes left over. So let me tell you what you're going to get. You're going to get, for 100 bucks. you're going to get four books that we loved this year. They pretty much flew under the radar. The tweets that I've been getting are from people like, I didn't have any of these books, and some of them I hadn't even heard of, and they're all great. And I am here to tell you that that's true. You're also going to get three awesome bookish items. Um, Some are custom just for the box. And the total value of these four books and the three items exceeds the $100 ticket uh, price of the box. So you can catch up on some of the best books of 2017. Kick your gear off strong. If you're doing the 2018 Read Harder Challenge with us, the titles in this box will help you towards some of your tasks. I won't tell you which ones, uh, but that's definitely worth considering as well. Makes a great gift if you just want to you know, have a bunch of books and bookish things on hand, uh, either to give to one person or to break them up and give them in smaller gifts to people as you have like a surprise. You know, some people keep like bottles of wine around the house to take to parties spur of the moment you could keep great books and bookish items to take to people when it turns out it's their birthday and you didn't know um they are this is currently available it's on the homepage of the book riot store so go to store.bookriot.com and get your best of 2017 box while you can let's do one more story okay um i, I like this story for a lot of reasons. One, it's because like the kind of thing we think about this. So PBS NewsHour and the New York Times are launching a monthly book club called Now Read This. And in the ongoing struggle for people to figure out how to do a book club online, it's, you know, these are big book-related entities, have a lot of clout in the book world, PBS and mm-hmm. the New York Times. And this is the best thing. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, here at the beginning of every month, NewsHour and then Times will pick a book, fiction, history, memoir, or more. I guess they're telling you those are things that a book could be about, in case you didn't know, fiction, fiction, history, memoir, and more. Uh, It's good they put that in there. And ask readers and viewers to read along. Throughout the month, discussion questions and other exclusive material rated the book and from the author will post to pbs.org slash newshour and newyorktimes.com and to the Facebook group, now read this. This will include writer's advice, about what, I don't know, and an inside look at how the book was written as well as reviews from the New York Times. The best way to participate in the club is to join the Facebook group. Now read this. Mm-hmm. Um, the month's reading will culminate at the end of the month when NewsHour chief correspondent for arts and culture, Jeffrey Brown, interviews the author on broadcast asking reader submitted questions. Because you know what you should really do is, someone should have done this before, is have the reader, have the author come and then have people ask him questions. I, I really, I think they've figured something out here. I'm, it's, it's stunning innovation. Wait, it's from getting the shady in here. Um, Brown will also unveil the next month's 
book at that time. Oh my gosh, a rolling book club? So you joined Facebook <laughs> group. Well, it does say book. It does say book. You join a Facebook group about the book, and at the end, they interview the author. I think they cracked you know? it. <laughs> they did it. All this time, all it's this effort a, comes to this. It's been a really good run. We had a nice six years. I think they're going to put us out of business. This pack is the, it up. The, the book club. To, seriously, Rebecca, this is the best they could do. <laughs> you know what, Jeff? Actually, this to me looks like job security. What do you mean? Like, oh, I see what you're saying. This <laughs> we're is going to be fine. The greatest minds are coming with a Facebook group called Now Read This. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I. I just kind of cackled when I opened this link earlier and also got that best way to participate in the club is to join the Facebook group. Now well, read this. I, like, you know first what? of all, I, I, not even Mark Zuckerberg I, I, himself that's what I was thinking. could make a Facebook book club work. Uh, uh, Remember how that just, it just I, fell I over? Know. Like that was, I think there was, maybe it was one difference. I'm pretty sure that that was just a page that you participated mm. on. And this is a group you have to join, which this means that like, you could get notifications for a floppity jillion ways oh that people God. post in this group. There are currently, I'm looking at it, there are 32,000 members of the group right now. And that... That like, is a cluster F right there is what that it is. It is. And the top thing that I can see is people posting pictures of the book with their cat. <laughs> like... If you know I what? To see pictures of a book with a cat. That's why I have Instagram. You know what? You sow the bookish internet, you reap the whirlwind, and that reaping <laughs> is pictures of the book with people's cats. <laughs> they just, they should have called us like, to say, "Hey, Jeff and Rebecca, we've got this idea. Can you just tell me if this is a good idea? And wh- what do you think is going to happen?" I would have said, "You know what? You're going to have thirty thousand people in your Facebook group, and it's going to be a mess." Yeah, and that's what they're going to get. Do it. Don't do it. You're going to get pictures of people's cats. Also, I am just not super sure that the readers who turn to PBS NewsHour and the New York Times want to participate in an online book club. Like the people who read those things and had been yearning for online book clubs came into book blogging when that became Mm. a thing. When it was like, there's a hole in my readerly heart where a book club should be, you know, back in like 2008. Um I just don't like who's gonna is your dad gonna participate in this? Like that we you know I mean, we some use our dads will. as these some, I don't know. My my dad never in a thousand billion years would do this um for a variety of reasons. It's, but like who what do you this feels like a situation in which they're like, we wanna do a book and hey, you and I I think have probably had a conversation like this um off the record, uh or on the record but behind the scenes. I don't know where we are in space and time, but we've had a conversation <laughs> like this saying, well, how could we do a book club? And, and we've done some stuff, like tried mm-hmm. it. And, and the thing that's hard it's to crack, hard. if you're going to call it a book club, like what is, what is a feature of a book club that then meets the definition of a book club? And I think it is that participants can talk to each other and be heard, right? Like I think mm-hmm. that is zero. But any, if you get beyond 20 people online, that's a, you can't do it. You cannot do it. And I just don't think it can be called a book club. Maybe it's a read along. Maybe it's an extended read. Maybe it's a close reading. It's something else, but it's not a book club. And I think the metaphor, trying to use the metaphor of the book club to an, an, an internet where you're not going to gate it uh, beyond some number of people, that's no longer a book club. That's something else which might be able to be do. But like, this is, uh, this, this is a disaster. They're going to do this twice. Maybe three times they'll do this. And we're never going to hear from this again. We're just not going to. <laughs> yeah, like there's just... 
It's just not the, it's just not, it's just not, this is just not the way to use your energy. If you're Mm. the New York times and PBS, it's not the way to create community by virtue of just what an unwranglable mess Facebook is like there have been 176 new posts on in this group today. Mm. Um, One of the posts yesterday asked people to comment with their hometown and then consider linking up with people near them to take part in the discussion. Cause the thing I want to do is meet strangers from Facebook, from Facebook, Facebook, yeah. Uh, you can read other people begging to bring back civil discourse and keep now read this a politics free zone hey, because nothing says politics free like sing unburied sing. Like I have news for you about the book you're reading in this keep NRT nice <laughs> hashtag keep NRT nice. I'm sure that's coming up soon. We're gonna get that one real soon. And then you get the randos that you get in any Facebook group who are like asking questions completely unrelated (laughs) to the topic that you're actually supposed to be discussing. And then there are the people who are like, a thing that I don't like about this, well, there's many things that I don't Mm. like about this format, but one of them is the like, we're just going to give the author questions submitted by the readers. Like if you have been to three book events in your life, you have heard every question. (laughs) No one cares. No no one cares. cares. And it's not like there's just nothing original to be asked. Like I would rather watch just a great interviewer talk to a writer about Mm -hmm. the book than watch a writer answer the questions that they're getting asked at every city that they visit and that you could also have the answers to if you Googled like – Jasmine Ward's not going to be asked anything new in this thing. Like, no. I, it looks like she's selling a bunch of books for the this, best you can do great. in this is not asking, not have ask her an embarrassing question. Like, that's the best you're hoping for in that situation. Yeah. And then you're going to get those folks who, like, are in the live event are the people who stand up and are like, This isn't a question, but I have a comment. <laughs> My question's in 27 parts. The question will come <laughs> at the end. Let me start back at the beginning of space time. <laughs> I know it's like back in the day, I think it was Rachel Fershleiser at Housing Works had a sign during the question and answer portions of, of book events that she would hold up that just said, not a question. <laughs> I saw someone that they were moderating a panel somewhere and they said, here's my, okay, we're going to open up a Q&A to the floor. Here are the rules. Rule one, your first sentence should be in the form of a question. The second rule <laughs> is there should be no second sentence. And I was like, that is great. That's so good. Now, I've been thinking about this. I mean, I think about book club, some sort of, I, I think there is a demand, and I think if there's a way, there could be a way out there, or there's, there's a desire that hasn't been met. Now, can it be met? I don't know. That's open to interpretation. Of some sort of engagement around a book over a period of time with other people. I don't know that's a book club. Maybe the wrong metaphor. Maybe it's like a seminar. Maybe it's a like an online, you know, I don't know, something other metaphor that would make sense. But you could do some, I feel like there is still something cool you could do around a book over a month with multiple posts and maybe something with the author before and after. And But I just don't think there is this container that we're trying to like, how can we scale a book club to 32,000 people is yeah. asking the wrong question. It is. And, you know, like, I guess I'm not surprised to see this right now. Like, I don't fault the New York Times no, for, no, for no. trying a I book don't club either. As, thing. As, like, as snarky as I'm being, I don't really. Every, no, everybody who's in the digital book space has tried mm-hmm. or will try some variation on the book club. Um, but it's just like this has been attempted by the person who created Facebook and it didn't work. Um, and 
it's just not the best way to execute the thing. Like there may be some way to get readers of the New York Times book review to participate in some kind of book club seminar, I don't know, um, Socratic method situation, but Mm -hmm. it's just not this. And it, one of the things we come back over and over come back to over and over when we're especially talking about the New York Times book review is how late they are to the Mm -hmm. innovations. They should have failed at this five years ago. Exactly. Like fail with your review coverage in 2010 instead of in 2017, Mm -hmm. you know, fail with this five years ago, fail with the customized reading recommendations that Mm -hmm. are like completely milk toast fail with that earlier on stuff um, that they make these big announcements about the cool new innovative things that they're doing, which are cool new innovative things that people did five years ago and then it's it it just doesn't it's not a good look like you're supposed to be carrying the banner of literary coverage um and it's it's not a good look to like i mean mark zuckerberg couldn't make this work Uh, and why is it a partnership (laughs) like i don't get it like why are they doing this together who knows uh, and they're like, they're going to post updates to NewYorkTimes.com. Oh, you'll, I'll just find it on NewYorkTimes.com. It's not like they post 100 articles a day. Like, I, I don't, I, there's, not, there's not an email. Look, if you're going to do this badly, do it badly right. And there should <laughs> right. be, an, sign up for an email. I mean, I know it's boring. Sign up for the email newsletter about the thing. Mm-hmm. Not a Facebook group that's controlled by algorithms that like some, that gremlins every like six hours change. Like, uh, you could have you could have done worse so much better mm-hmm. here. Um, it's it's funny though. I, I, oh wait, there's oh you can follow news about the company at NY Times uh, PR if you want to follow along at the the New York Times Public Relation Twitter account. Have fun with that. All right. Well, you know we ended on a sour <laughs> note. I'm sorry to say that, but I enjoy. I have to say I enjoyed that. Sometimes it feels nice. Do you want to hear a really short happy note? Yeah, let's just a let's, little. Why, why not? Why not? Just a little like petite four of sweetness, man. I watched a lot of a Great British Bake Off over the holidays, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to apologize now for any baking analogies I use for like the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> a 60 year old woman in Johannesburg celebrated mm. her birthday by getting locked into her favorite bookstore overnight. Her name is Karina Grayling. She's from Kempton Park, Johannesburg. And she told her kids that her top birthday wish was to be locked inside exclusive books, which is the name of the store for the night. So she, um, was surprised with they set up a bedroom in the store there's like a beautiful bed set up in front of a bunch of the bookshelves and they surprised her with a pop-up bedroom snacks drinks and the freedom to roam the store all night browsing and reading to her heart's content and you can see photos of it uh, in the link we'll put in the show notes that is an epic 60th birthday wish um more people should start asking for this I think, um, but just delightful, really cute. They brought the bed in. It, I mean, they really did it yeah. up. Like it looks yeah, there's fancy. a whole bed. It looks like they brought in like a bedroom suite from a nice furniture store. It's it does like look nice like that. Bed, it does, it does look or a like nice that. hotel room. There's like a nice bed. It has a bunch of blankets and some cute throw pillows, and things are artfully arranged. And it looks like she, you know, could have just made her apartment in this beautiful bookstore. <sighs> Yeah, that, I mean, it's funny. We talked about a couple of stories. There are bookstores around the world now where you they're like they're an Airbnb, like can stay on mm-hmm. top, and then even work a shift to like you know help run the bookstore. Now, staying in the actual book showroom overnight, they haven't tapped that. That's untapped market. That helps make a rent. 
you know? It does. I think that's really, it's clever if people wanted to start adding this. Like, there's probably some interesting insurance issues, at least in the yeah, U.S. <laughs> right. <laughs> About uh, letting people stay overnight in your business. Like, did an employee also have to stay there? Did she just have the whole place to herself? Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about hotel law. As you know, I'm not a professional <laughs> hotelier. Um, but it does seem like <laughs> can you just let people like sleep over in a room of a business you own that's not zoned for a residential or mm-hmm. I guess do you need a hotel license? I well, don't like even know what you need. Years ago, I was I was trying to make a lock-in at the New York Public Library mm. happen. And the first layer of questions about that was enough to be like, "Oh, never yeah, mind." Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like once you start thinking about it, it's like yeah this is a disaster i'll just this go is, back to longing for this, this is a li- this is a liability nightmare <laughs> yeah um that, that makes sense uh anyway if you know things about hotel laws or sleeping in rooms that are not <laughs> yours please shoot us an email podcast at bookriot.com really any uh retail slash re- um residential crossover uh, we're in, I guess you could, mm-hmm. maybe you could have a special room that then you lock the person. No, that doesn't work. You can't lock <laughs> someone in a room. I know that. It's like I a know literary you can't do. escape room. Where you can't actually escape. It's an escape room <laughs> where you're not supposed to escape. <gasps> Jeff, an escape room where you have to solve Dan Brown puzzles. I think uh, our, my friend Jeremy and I may have talked about this at one point because he loves escape rooms, which I cannot find the appeal of, but I understand that other people like it. But like a Sherlock Holmes themed uh, escape room, it sounds like someone would be interested in that. A Robert Langdon escape room? Come on. I like it. I like it. It's like you have to, the key is somewhere in this. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's somewhere in this Raphael painting. And you have to also know the first 16 lines to uh, Ode to Dante's a Nightingale. Inferno. Right, yeah. to, get, to get it right. Otherwise, <laughs> you live here now. This is your you home. Know, it's been, I've been waiting 35 years to know what my heart's deepest longing is, and now I know it's a Robert Langdon escape room. <laughs> it's either, it's either uh, a dream or a waking nightmare. It could go either way, depending <laughs> on that one. Goes. All right, we'll get out of here. Insiders.bookride.com. Go check that out. See what our Insiders program looks like. Uh, go check out the best, our best of 2017 box. Get books and some other stuff. Rebecca handpicked it for people like you that would listen to a show like this. Not you specifically, because that would be weird and creepy, but people like you. The collective um, you. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, 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 the aggregate you out there listening. Thanks so much for listening. Shoot us an email, podcast at bookriot.com. We were asking someone, oh yeah, uh, what would the liability, well, how hard would it be to set up part of your independent bookstore business to let people stay over? Like what the hurdles do you have to have? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, and, uh, what hurdles would be there they have to get over? And which items should well, we put on the Book Riot podcast bingo board? Oh, yeah, right. Definitely that one. Um, That's a great one. Thanks so much for listening. Rebecca, welcome back. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good one.